You're listening to the Jesus Culture San Diego Message of the Week. Today I want to talk about family, which as you, this is something I'm passionate about. My friend gave me this shirt. It's pretty cool. It features family. So I'm not going to wear a shirt every time on the topic, but today you're welcome. You're blessed. So, you know, uh, it's kind of a thematic message. But um, if you have your Bibles, open them to John 1. We're going to talk about how revival starts at home. And to set this up, if you read throughout Scripture, this idea of family um, is, is woven all throughout Scripture. Um, we see this um, in John 1, 12, where it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And how many of you know children are connected to family? 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father. So we're talking about a father where children has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we're, we are God's children. And, and what we will be is, has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we, we will see him as he is. This last verse is Ephesians 2.19 says, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household, or another translation would say the family of God. And this is just, I mean, if you read the Bible, we know like if you grew up in church, this concept of family is connected to the kingdom because the the church, uh, the, the, the body of Christ is not a business or an institution. It's a family, but it's connected to a father and we're children. And so this theme of family actually is really important for us as we look at not only who we are as the church, as a community, but also as we look at how we measure success and what we're going after. And we're going to dive into this. And I just want to say this. I want to acknowledge that when you talk about something like family, for everyone, that isn't a, a good thing. Like maybe you, your family wasn't great, or maybe your even current uh, family situation is hard. And so, you know, I don't want to just throw out like family, like, oh, everyone's, you know, lovey-dovey and we all love each other. And the very reality and actually why we're talking about that is there's actually a battle that goes on over families because it matters and it's important. And as we're going to dive into this, uh, I don't want to dismiss or ignore or minimize abuse or hurt or even some of the hard things you're facing, maybe in your marriage right now or with your kids. But I think it's more the reason why we should press in and hear what God has to say. See how God measures success, not only in the kingdom, but what he has to say about family. Because I think if we dive into this, we begin to walk in true fruit, true success in our own lives personally and in the kingdom. That's what we're going after as a community here. Um, I don't know if, if you like horses. My girls are really into horse shows. I have three girls, so um, Ellie. Um, they, they, they watch all these shows. And so, you know, I, I jump in and I, I've, I've been picking up a few things. And um, there was this one episode we were, wa- we were watching and they were talking about um, uh, bloodlines of horses. I don't know if you know this, but people could spend $500,000 for a horse, not just because it w- will win a race, but because of uh, the breeding rights. Like you buy the horse and you breed it. And I'm going to read some horse facts. Are we any horse lovers in here today? Okay, this is for you. So, so I don't know if you know, you've ever heard of the Kentucky Derby, but um, th- there's not a coincidence that, that the horses that, that are part of uh, this, this type of racing often end up being the fastest horses in the world. 
And they do this, they actually carefully study and carefully breed these horses for generations. It costs hundreds and thousands of dollars to breed a racehorse with a champion stallion. Before breeding, the owners will go back 50 or 60 years and study the bloodline of a particular stallion. They'll research his father, his grandfather, study how long uh, their stride was, how tall their legs were, their takeoff speed, their endurance. With all this information, they choose what they believe will be the perfect match. And then they understand that these winners don't just randomly happen. It's in their DNA. And these horses are set apart generation after generation. They're bred to be champions. So I share this with you because, you know, we talk about family and like, I don't know if you know some people and they're like, yeah, my, like five generations back, they were pastors and missionaries, the most godly people ever, you know, and you're like, that's not my family. I don't know. <laughs> you should come to my family and it gets really exciting, you know. And for some of us, I think we, this is like the lie or the trap of the enemy. We feel like, oh, well, my, my family's a mess or where I came from was really hard and we get discouraged and we feel like hopeless when you hear something about like family is important and matters and it's like, hey, yeah, it is, but it's hard. Here's the good news. In the kingdom of God, we've been adopted. It says this in Romans 8. We've been adopted. We've been called sons and daughters into a different family. But the good news is, is that adoption doesn't just impact us. It actually impacts our family of origin, our, our family that we live in now. Listen to this. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. First John 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ... They're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So why does this matter when we're talking about family? Why does this matter when we talk about revival that starts in our home? Because the whole point of the gospel is Jesus came to fix and redefine the family line and it starts with you and me. I don't know if you've ever read the genealogies just for fun, like just for morning devotions. You just you pull out, you know, in, in, in Matthew. I just want to, you know, Jesus, I want to get to know you. So I'm just going to read the genealogies. Or if you go into the Old Testament, it's like crazy, you know. Someone introduces themselves and I'm, I'm the son of the father. You know, it's like 10 generations back. You're like, all right, that's a lot of information. Could you imagine if we did that? Like, hi, my name's Zach, my grandpa, you know. You just like list off all your like relatives to introduce yourself. It's kind of funny, and actually, I remember as a youth, uh, as a student in my youth group, they would say, you know, read your Bible. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to read through the Bible. Like, I got to be honest, I didn't make it past. Like, you get into, like, these genealogies, and I'm like, I skipped ahead. Don't tell, my, don't tell anyone. But if you actually go through and read the genealogy, like in Matthew, if you read the genealogy of Jesus, the line that came to Jesus, and you actually study those names and don't just skim over them, you actually would be really encouraged because Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, you know, his father, Joseph, you know, he was there for moral support. He didn't, you know, he didn't do a lot. Mary, you know, carried, carried uh, Jesus who was born to this world. But like you look at his heritage, you know, David was a murderer, an adulterer. You know, there's Rahab who's in, in she was a prostitute. There's people that, you know, were not great people that encountered God and were included in the lineage of Jesus. It, it, it's, it's a minor thing, but 
it actually should give you and me a lot of hope. Because what Jesus came to do was not to, you know, call the perfect, qualified people that had everything together. He came to redefine success. And what he did on the cross is, you know, it says his blood not only purified us for forgiveness of sin, but it's a lot deeper than just going to heaven and being forgiven because you messed up. That is all part of it. But there's something way deeper. He came to redefine our bloodline. And listen, like it, it starts with you. I'll tell you like a story. I was, my, my grandmother, she died um, uh, years ago, but um, I got to go say goodbye to her and she was in the ICU and um, she was in kind of like an induced coma. And so we couldn't talk a lot. And I had this moment where I, I was just me and her, I was sitting in there and I was praying over her. And I, I actually just had this moment where I got kind of emotional because I knew my grandma's story. I knew my, my, my grandma, grandpa's story, my dad's story. And I, I just whispered in her ear and I said, grandma, thank you for saying yes. And this is why this is important. My grandmother, so my, 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 first, my name is Zach. My first name is Asa. So it's Asa Zachariah Curry. My, my dad is Asa Bruce Curry. And my grandpa is Asa Chapman Curry. I'm the, the third Asa, but we all go by our middle names. Um, but my, my grandfather was an alcoholic. He wasn't faithful to my grandma. And I, my grandma turned to Jesus, I imagine, out of desperation. She didn't, neither of my grandparents grew up uh, Christians in a Christian home, or maybe they went to church, but it wasn't an active part of their life. And my grandma had every reason to leave my grandfather, but she didn't. And she started praying for him. And just, you know, I mean, I, and I can imagine it was not easy many, many times. She prayed for him. And, and my grandfather got saved years later, like towards, towards like his 40s. Like, um, and they became, my grandpa, have you ever, ever heard of YWAM? You know, people do the DTS. Usually it's like young adults and people like that out of high school. They did like, there's a, it's called Crossroads. It's for uh, people like retired or older. They did YWAM. And then they became the most crazy missionaries. Um, you know, he was retired and they just like, they paid their way and traveled all over the world. And my grandpa did construction stuff and they would build walls, fix things. And if I, I, would, I would imagine if you were to ask my grandma and you told her like, you know, someday you're gonna be missionaries traveling the world. I bet you she would not have believed that. But it started with prayer. So my dad kind of went to church because my, my grandma made him go to church and you know, I'm sure some of you have been in that place before. Maybe you're here today. Glad you're here. Um, but my dad went to college, did the whole party scene, did not like, was not following God. And at the tail end of the Jesus movement, got saved, um, radically saved. And, you know, uh, my parents, like my mom and dad met in college. He got saved. Um, it was at the, if you, if you were around during the Jesus movement, like what you did was you went open air preaching, you went door to door, like that was how I grew up. So my, we were getting ready to be missionaries in Africa. My dad would take me with him. They'd go to the free speech area. I'm from Chico, California um, on uh, the Chico State campus. And he would just share the gospel with people. So that's what I did with my dad to go share, you know, share Jesus. One time he, he invited me to come up and share. It wasn't my best message, but I, you know, you got to credit the... Um, the, the, the effort and the courage, but I went up and said, if you don't know God, you're all going to hell. Like that was my message. 
I think my dad had to come back and clean it up, you know. A lot of zeal, a lot of heart. But um, if you look at my story or my parents or my mom and dad, um, there's five kids in our family. Our family's not perfect. We've got our own issues and stuff we're working through. But where it started and where it ended is significantly different. And that's not just because we're special and we got blessed and we got the lucky cards. That's because someone like my grandma started praying and took what we read here in scripture about what Jesus and the gospel does in our life and didn't give up. And I, I, that's why I was sitting in, my, in, the, in, the, in the ICU and I just started crying. And I was, I, I'm sitting there saying, Grandma, thank you because you said, yes, I'm here. Because you said, yes, I'm not addicted. I don't, I'm not a, a, the, the same addictions and things that my dad struggled with alcoholism. Like there are all these things like that got broken and changed because you said yes. And the reason, yeah, come on, we can get excited about that. But I, I want to, I'm sharing this with you because we throw out revival and we, and I want all that. Like, you, you know, Billy Graham filling stadiums and we, we love signs and wonders and all this stuff. But listen, this isn't for this extra spiritual people. It's for, it's for every single one of us. It's for us in the place where your family isn't good. Your marriage is struggling. Your kids aren't following God. You don't have to be married yet. You're like, my, my, my heritage, my history is a mess. You're in the right spot. Because with God, he changes and redefines it. And revival starts in the home. It's not just an event that we're going after. That is a byproduct, but we cannot ignore family. We cannot ignore the places because this is where when the change happens, the ripple effect is far greater than your own life. And it starts with us. We want our lives to be changed, but your yes, your in invitation to God, this is success for me. I'm a pastor. I, I love Jesus. I've been doing ministry since I was in high school. But I'm gonna tell you, I do not measure my success based on attendance or a church. Like at the end of the day, success for me is my girls following Jesus. Like, and, and listen, I grew up in the church and I've been, you know, I've seen it all, leaders doing great things and falling and, be, you know, behind closed doors. And I've seen that many times marriages and, and kids, their family, families suffer because of ministry on the outward. And yet revival that really matters is not taking place in the home. Listen, this is not a condemnation thing, but I just want to tell you, like we are going to be people that go after, we talked about last week being healthy people filled with the Spirit. We're going to be people that go after our marriages, our kids, our families. And listen, and if things aren't good, hey, don't get worried. Like invite Jesus into these places. And so this is why like we're talking about a revival that starts in our home and has a ripple effect. Let me just read this to you. I, I love words and, I, I, you know, because we throw out words all the time. It's like, okay, well, what, is this, what does this really mean? The word revival, this is what revival means. This is Webster's dic Dictionary. Um, revival is an, is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. Something becoming popular or growing, a reawakening. Like it's not a mysterious thing. It's actually connected to the choice of inviting the spirit of God into something and he reawakens hearts and lives. But I want to tell you, our world, our culture needs a, a revival and a reawakening of the spirit of God in our families, in our kids, in our homes. Like, I think it's so easy for us to skip ahead to large crowds, gatherings and stadiums. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But for me, like, would we do that at the, at the cost or the exception of our own homes and kids? The, the impact actually is actually far greater. There's more at stake here than just a large gathering. You can look at stats, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a divorce or uh, single parent homes or uh, addiction. You, you trace things back. I mean, they, there's studies that show that like the, the act of kids sitting at home and having a meal with their family is connected to better, you know, grades, people staying in school, having a better view of themselves or identity. Like there's so many stats. We're not going di- to dive into all this, but it takes place in the home. I want to tell you, there is a battle over family. There's a battle that's taking place and battles take place over things that are important. Battles take place over things that have value. And so for us as a community, we're, 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 this is this thing. We, we want to measure success. We want to be a people. It's not an either or. We love all the stuff. We're going to go after saying we want a revival in our home. It starts at home. And the good news is if things aren't great or things aren't where we want them to be, what we focus on, what we prioritize is where the, you know, the battle takes place. And I think the enemy wants to distract us with busyness, work, you know, doing things for God, which there's nothing wrong with that, but out of, like, it's out of priority. And he's like, no, press into this. We want to see revival that starts at home. We wrote this thing called a culture book. So the Jesus Culture San Diego is planted out of a church in Sacramento. Jesus Culture, the, the, the organization has been around 23 years now. But seven years ago, we planted a church in Sacramento and we started talking about culture. Last week, we, we mentioned what culture is. But we wrote this culture book. It has 13 values and 13 practices. One of our practices that's connected to value is this whole thing of that revival starts in the home. I want to read an excerpt of this to you. It says, the top priority of my life and what I do at home is a healthy life. We will never put our families at the stake for the sake of our job, for the sake of ministry, for the sake of a deadline. Our spouses and children need to know that they come before our tasks. And if they aren't okay, we aren't okay. God created family. He, he cares about family and he calls us to do the same. We stop in the busyness and ask about your marriage. This is like in the context of community because it matters. We will always be evaluating health of our community and our, and our team's home because it isn't just a job that you clock in and out of or, or leave your personal business at the door. We are a community of people with an extremely high value on the health of our families because revival starts at home. Whether single, married with kids, or married without kids, what happens when you go home affects what happens, what you do. Like we said, we care about family because God cares about family. So please don't try to hide it if you're not thriving on the home front. We are here to journey through all aspects of life together. I share that with you because this is like a core central value for us. Like one of the things, whenever I meet someone, if they're married, I always ask them, do you have kids? Like we could talk about what do you do? Like I actually care, like, do you have kids? What are their names? Listen, success in the kingdom of God is not how much money you have in your bank account. Whatever your title is, your accolades, that's all great. Like the, the Bible talks about like success, like children are like arrows that you can shoot out. Like the, the greatest thing I can do 
and, and you can, we can, this is a whole nother message, but you can look at how Jesus discipled people. He started with 12, discipled them. And then, you know, we're here today because of those 12. What we pour into our kids, what we contend and go after actually bears fruit that lasts way beyond ourselves. I mean, it's just a basic investment principle. Like if you want to invest something, you want to invest something in a place that has the highest return. I can't think of a better place than your own family, your own marriage, because what you grow and cultivate and guard and go after actually becomes the thing that you have to give away to someone else. And so I, 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 I just, like, we're going to, you're going to hear this a lot, but I, I just wanted to start off with this whole thing. Like, we were going to go after this thing of not only being healthy, but going after families. When we first started Sacramento, um, I had this uh, vision or picture. I don't always have visions or pictures, but we were, we were starting, and it was kind of this picture and then this phrase that goes along with this thing of revival starting at home. Um, and the phrase was this, that, uh, the, the way you fill stadiums is you fill living rooms. And the whole, the picture I, I saw was like, basically, and we, we talked about this third team we were going after, like, like the move of God that happens in your house, in your living room is actually connected to the move of God we want to see, you know, with a stadium. Like uh, my friend, Andy Bird, who's with YWAM, and they, they're doing these gatherings, stadium gatherings called The Send. I think he has six kids and then they have one or two foster kids. So there's like seven to eight kids in their home. Like they're filling stadiums. I've been to his house for dinner. You look at his kids and you look at like what they're doing with foster kids and their family. Like his, like his kids are teenagers now and they love Jesus. The fruit that you're seeing, like we, we can see these people that, you know, like, wow, they're amazing and they're doing incredible things. There is a secret life that started at home and the fruit of that may be a stadium or whatever, but it doesn't start there. It starts at home. Some of us were like, I want to change the world. God use me. And, he, and God's like, great. I love that. Let's start right where you're at. <laughs> you're like, oh, you know, I want to be a missionary and I'm going to go, you know, love the world. I'm like, hey, why don't you love your brother? <laughs> why don't you love your spouse? <laughs> why don't you prioritize your kids? And this is, I'm not trying, there's no, no shame, no guilt here. Like, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just trying to help us reprioritize and say, listen, the, like real fruit, success, health starts in these places. And listen, there's blessing in family. Uh, Psalm 68, you know, it says in Psalm 68, 6, that the Lord, that God sets the lonely in families. He leads prisoners out with singing. There's, there's actually a blessing. This is a whole nother message as well. Ephesians 6 you know, it, it talks about children, obey your parents and the Lord, honor your father and mother and says, so that it may go well with you and you'll enjoy a long life. It says this in Psalms 127, three, children are like arrows. They're a blessing from the Lord. They're, they're arrows in the hand of a warrior, our children in one youth. I think when we stop sometimes and look at our life as Americans, we're just busy. We, we like to do things. I'm the most guilty. But when we stop and say, at the end of my life, I'm going to have a few things that I'm going to be accountable for. At the end of my life, you know, you hear these stories of millionaires and wealthy people and people ask them, if you could do anything different, what would you do? 
It wasn't like I could make more money. I wish I had a better relationship with my kid. I wish, you know, it's about people. It's about relationships. So I think it's important for us to stop sometimes and say, okay, what's the pace of my life? How am I measuring success? We measure success by what we value and we go after. God, what is the most important thing? I'm going to stop and ask hard questions, not beat myself up, but then invite God in to do that. How do we do this? I mean, it's, it's simple in the sense that we, one, we redefine success. Second thing is we, we prioritize what that success is. And then we just take practical steps. Like this is the cool thing about God. He, he, he does what we could not do, but he still requires something of us. He requires our yes. He requires us, you know, to take that step. Like Peter on the water, he, you know, he's stepping out. And then Jesus, you know, you, they, he's the one that made him walk on water, but Peter had to take the step. And, and I think for, for some of us, it's like, okay, this is important. I'm going to start praying. <laughs> I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to make space. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go after this. And then don't beat yourself up. Keep going. And this is kind of a personal story. I'm, I'm speaking on the value of family today. And Friday morning, my youngest daughter, um, Ellie, um, she got, uh, if you have kids, you know, getting them to school is like, it's a whole thing. And it's, it's hard many times. My, my nine-year-old, like she was ready way earlier than she needed to be. And I was like working and, you know, we've been busy trying to get this thing going and all that. And she kept pestering me like, dad, it's time to go. I'm like, no, it's not time to go. Like it's, you know, we have time, you know? And I honestly, there wasn't a lot of the fruit of the spirit. I wasn't patient, you know, I'm, I'm real just like anyone else, you know, I, and I got in the truck, I'm taking her to, um, taking her to school. And I just asked her like, Ellie, why are you in such a hurry? And she, she says, she's like, well, dad, I just wanted to hang out with you. I wanted to go early. I, I wanted to hang out with you because you've been so busy working lately. I'm like, ouch. You know, and, and in those moments, you know, I, I could, obviously it was a great reality check for me because I was irritated with her because she, she's pushy and she's like, but her whole reason she wanted to do it was just to be with me. But here's the thing, in the midst of our, our weakness or maybe falling short, that's like, don't give up. <laughs> Like, could you imagine like, oh, I blew it. I'm the worst dad ever. Forget it. You know, like actually those are the times to lean in more. I've learned like one of the best things, this isn't a parenting message, but one of the best things you can do in parenting, but it applies to marriage and life is just apologize. That's what I did. I'm like, honey, I'm sorry. You're right. You're more important. And I'm sorry to make time for you. And I'm sorry I responded that way. When we humble ourselves and we, we just apologize and like, yeah, I blew it. Like this is so family. We all love the idea of family, but family's messy. There's a reason why a lot of churches try to make it very professional like a business because it's actually easier. Family is messy, but it's actually where the greatest fruit happens. Because people like, you'll die for your family. Someone you just work with or whatever, it's a different scenario. And Jesus died for his family. He made a way. God sent his son for us and he created a model of something that we have to go after and value. And I think even as we go out from here today, we need to prioritize, reevaluate and look at how we measure success in our life.
And the invitation is, he's inviting us to be a part of that as fathers, as mothers. Even if you're single, young adult, not married yet, listen, you go after your own life, get healthy. Like be the kind of person that is whole, that when you're in that place, you've actually fought and contended for something. You know, fight for relationships in your family. So this is what I want us to do as we kind of close today. I always love making space to just say, okay, God, how do I practically start walking this out? And so I, I, I pray that there, there isn't discouragement or condemnation. I, I pray you're filled with hope, especially for the hard areas. Maybe the areas that you are falling short in. But I want us to be a people. I want to be someone that presses into this stuff. I want to be a part of a community that says, hey, we're going to go after this. We're not going to take shortcuts because it's easier and you maybe have short-term success, but in the long run, there isn't. But I feel like some of you here, like you're thinking as we're talking about this, you're thinking of your own family or you're thinking of your own marriage or relationship and maybe there's some really hard things. Listen, today, let's just stop and surrender and invite Jesus into this. And the things that we value, the things that are, we prioritize as success are the things we're gonna fight for and go after. It may not be easy, but the best things that we go after, the hardest things are worth fighting for. So God, we just say, even today, as we pause, as maybe we reflect a little bit, I thank you that there's hope in every area. You're the God of hope. I thank you that you've called us. There's a new bloodline that we've been adopted into. That there is a, a, a domino effect in our, our earthly family here. And so, Lord, today, I just pray you would highlight even the areas of pain or hardship. And God, we just invite you in and say, God, would you, God, we're praying for revival in our homes, in our marriages, with our kids. We pray for prodigals that they would come back. God, we pray that we would be known as a community that, that does the stuff, but our homes are whole. And the only way we know how to get there is to invite you in. So as just before we leave, just as we worship, we even sing this song, you know, I want Jesus, I want you. Can you just, maybe in your own words, surrender that thing you're carrying? Maybe it feels impossible. Give it to God today. Invite him in. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit will just highlight some things you need to do. Like as a dad, maybe take your, your daughter on a date or serve your wife or humble yourself and be someone today that apologizes first because we're going after connection and relationship and wholeness. Let's just take some space and respond however we need to and worship just for a little bit before we go out from here. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Culture San Diego Message of the Week. For more information on our church, visit jcsandiego.com.